0: Audio Chimera, a subversive podcast taking refuge in the sanctuary of allegory about the fragility of memory. Episode 56 How to Go From Terminal Shyness to a Career in the Theater. I have often claimed, and rightly so, that I was terminally shy as a child. And this manifested itself in a number of ways. I would meet new people, and I wouldn't really talk to them. And quite frankly, that's kind of still with me today. But I really didn't want to be seen by other people. I did not become an altar boy because I was afraid of being watched and looked at. I didn't become a Boy Scout for pretty much the same reason. So again, how does that terminally shy boy develop a career, and I think a successful one, in the world of theater? I have to admit there were always inklings and glimpses of that future. So I'm very shy. I'm bullied as a kid. I don't want to be seen. And then in fifth grade, our teacher had a party at her house after the end of the year. There was supposed to be entertainment, and we were to volunteer to be entertainers if we wanted to, and I did. Somebody had given me a cat puppet, and it looked very realistic, and I decided I was going to do a ventriloquist act. So I signed up for that. The kid taking the sign-ups looked at me like I was crazy, because shy Stephen, you know, is going to suddenly be a ventriloquist. The day of the picnic arrived, and I got up in front of people after being announced, and I sat there with the cat in my lap, kind of cuddled up, uh, looking like a real cat. And I introduced the cat, and then I didn't really have an act prepared. I didn't know where to go with that. I said, do you have any questions? And I think one guy had a question, and uh, I answered it. Beginning of a career in improv, I guess. But that was pretty much it. And then I did not perform for a number of years. Another anomaly happened in high school when the fall theater production auditions were announced and I decided I was going to go and audition. Don't know why I did that. Um, As I recall, my audition was pretty horrible, and I wouldn't have cast me either. So that was the end of that phase of my acting career. <laughs> a little while later, I started making films with my Super 8 silent film camera and uh, veered into the world of directing for a while. And to illustrate how much of an anomaly that was, I had to give a speech in my English class, and I chose to talk about concentration camps for some reason or other. And I remember getting up in front of people, my heart was pounding, the butterflies were fluttering, and I looked at the class, I read my first sentence, my topic sentence, And then I basically blacked out. I have no idea what else I said. The speech seems to have gone okay. I managed to complete it, but um, I have no memory of what happened at that moment. That's pretty much my thought about terminal shyness, that I don't want to speak in front of people. And then I got to college, and I had to have an intro to public speaking course. And I chose Richard, the theater professor, as my teacher. And it was an okay class, but one day was life-changing. He had two of us go up at a time, and we needed to talk extemporaneously about something. I have no idea what I talked about, but the point of the exercise was to take attention uh, from the audience and away from the other person speaking. And so I started using gestures and movements and uh, spoke very animatedly. I was always known for reading with expression in grade school. And uh, so I captured the audience's attention and I was complimented on that. And I thought, hmm, maybe... This performance thing is not such a bad idea. That semester, I was also in an oral interpretation class, and for part of that class, I performed in Woody Allen's Death Knocks as Nat Ackerman, the guy who cheats death. And that was my first taste of acting and being in a play. And I thought, this is not so bad. In fact, it's kind of fun. And next semester, I talked to Richard, the theater professor, and I said I wanted to sit in rehearsals and learn the process of directing and so on. And he said, again, a life-changing moment brought about by a teacher, he said to me, I think you should audition. And I did. And I got cast as the Spanish ambassador. And it wasn't the greatest role in the world. I was also performing without my glasses, and I was blind and did not have contact lenses. The stairs were an obstacle that I did manage to survive, but there I was on stage having a great time. favorite recollection of that play, A Man for All Seasons, happened during the scene with my assistant, played by Ron Cole, who totally forgot one of his four lines. And he stood there with his index finger in the air, and he said, thus it is to... And there's a huge pause. Now, during this point, I was normally pacing a couple steps to one side, a couple steps back, and I would turn to him and say, my line... But he's not saying anything, and so I'm continuing to pace back and forth, and I'm getting a little farther away from him each time. And finally he remembers and says, incur the enmity of a king, and I leap back at him. A heretic king, I said, following with my line, and that must have looked slightly comic. All in all though, I found that performance incredibly enjoyable, I was bitten by the theatre bug, Uh, I also met a young woman, I started dating, which unfortunately didn't go too well the following year. In the meantime, I also got cast in a small role in A View from the Bridge at the Studio Theatre at York Little Theatre and continued my acting uh, experience. This continued in the fall when I had the title role of Scannerelle in the Moliere play. And um, not only did I get to kind of verbally attack the girl who had just dumped me from the previous year, but uh, I got to chase after the maid played by my new girlfriend. So life and art kind of blended. And uh, I remember my mother sitting in the audience being... Uh, very excited about seeing me on stage because that was such a major departure for me. And I enjoyed that experience so much that I wanted more. So much so that I felt the need to transfer to a different college and to a theater program uh, where I really concentrated in directing and directed a final theater production uh, for my senior capstone kind of thing. And uh, I remember my advisor, Dr. West, said to my mother, he's doing what he should be doing. And she found that very heartening, but I was also very encouraged by that. Of course, I wanted to get a Master of Fine Arts in Directing uh, from some school. I took spring break to travel around and Uh, audition or interview in different programs. I eventually got into Ohio State, but Ohio State was in a state in the theater program at that point. I switched from the MFA to the MA program just to kind of get away faster, Uh, and there's a lot of stories there that are kind of scary, Uh, but uh, I graduated and then was kind of uh, drifting for a bit. I did spend some time at an arts camp in New Jersey, uh, which the first year was very rainy, so it was also very swampy, but that gave me some more experience, and then I applied for my Ph.D. program in Berkeley, California, and that was a great decision. So often people say to me, where did you go to school, or where where did you get your Ph.D., and I'll say, you know, University of California, Berkeley, and they just go whoa because that's like crazy, and of course it was crazy. If you listen to my other podcast episodes about my time there, but again, it really did open me up to an amazing world. And in the meantime, you know, I've acted a bit, I've directed a lot, uh, taught theater, and I've gone to conferences uh, in various places. I've done all kinds of presentations, and uh, I've spent almost 45 years doing theater from that first little production of uh, Death Knocks back in the day. And so I've never looked back, and uh, I've retired, but I don't want to stop working in the theater. Um, I think once that theater bug bites you, that's a virus that lasts forever in your bloodstream. And I don't know what I would do without theater in my life. Anything you want to hear more about from this podcast? I can elaborate. You can get in touch with me several ways. Join my Facebook group, Audio Chimera. Message me on WhatsApp. The number is available on the Facebook group. Leave me a voice message at 724-835-4074. Check out my website and blog at org. that's M-U-S-O-F-Y-R dot org. And finally, check out my Linktree for everything at linktree, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot e slash Stephen Schrum. Oh yes, that's Stephen with a P-H, S-C-H-R-U-M. Intro and outro music composed by John Rust. Check out Sound of Rust, that's one word, on YouTube. This is Stephen Shrum. Thanks for listening to Audio Chimera.